Welcome to the Into the Wilderness podcast. This is the second part of our two-part special where we're joined by David Carson Peterson from Denmark. If you didn't hear the first part of this, go back and make sure you check it out. Otherwise, what we're going to talk about now probably isn't going to make very much sense. We will pick up pretty much where we left off with a little intro of the second film that we talked about that David has made. This podcast is brought to you, as always, by the Scottish Association for Country Sports. Life's great adventure is different for everybody. For me, it's about doing what you love. And what I love to do is go hunting. As a hunter, I live to travel the world and see new places. I want to go where I've never been, see the other side of the horizon, and learn as much from nature as it's willing to show me. So that, I think that was just the, the first 20 seconds of, of narration from, from the, the film that you, you filmed out. In British Columbia, and I mean another a beautifully shot film, and another in, in a totally different way, a great message. Why did you? What what was it? Uh, the the series of events that led you to make that film, and what was it uh, about from you, and what did you learn from it? Um, it's actually quite uh, it's 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 quite a long uh, list of events. That's um, uh, I had a I had a very long chat with. Um, uh, Armin Dobat from oh, yes, uh, Armin. Rice. Yeah. And um for quite some years actually, uh about my my frustrations with how we were portrayed as hunters normally and and what I think could be done. And I was I was very inspired by uh the movie um uh Searching for West by uh uh, Mark Seacat. That's another fantastic movie. Yeah, very, very really that That movie really changed the the industry, in, uh, especially in Europe. Like, I think a lot of Americans were already playing around with something like that. Um, but I remember seeing Searching for West and going like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. If we do hunting movies, that's how we got to do it. Um, and I was very, um, I was very inspired by Jeff Simpson as well, who ended up being the photographer on the, the British Columbia film. Um, so that was, uh, that was actually quite a, um, a little bit of a, of a, of a fan thing for me, uh, to, to be in one of the movies that I've, I've seen so many times. Um, but no, I had, I, I talked very long for quite some years with, uh, I mean about it. And then, uh, at some point he says, okay, dude, You've been talking about it for so many times, for so many years. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's see what you can do. Um, and he got Jeff in on it because Jeff also wants to tell the story about who we are as hunters in a very different way than it was told in America in the 80s and 90s, um, especially in the 90s. Um, and um, so we decided, okay, how can we how can we show that that love of of traveling, of of adventure, of exploration, um, that of a hunting trip uh, abroad is, and uh, I've always wanted to go to British Columbia and and to see the backcountry. And as a European hunter, we see so much stuff coming from the states. Um, 
so it was uh, it was quite natural that that we were going to do the uh, this one in, uh, in in British Columbia and try to get one of those extraordinarily big moose that are running around over there. Um, unfortunately, as it does happen with hunting, um, we never actually saw that moose. <laughs> It, it never happened. We had this whole setup. We were, again, what you see in the movie is the reality. Um, if we had a single chance of shooting big moose, we would have done it. Um, especially after 10 days of slugging around in every single, uh, every imaginable weather situation that you could have. We were reined in for two days in that little tiny cabin. Um, I remember reading, um, what was it, uh, Game of Thrones book. <laughs> I think I read the whole book on that trip um, because when you're in a place like that, if the weather is too bad, then it's, then you just have to roll with it. You yeah. can't force nature. And and it brings um, its own, it brings its own problems, not with just the hunting. And I know from filming ourselves, filming in weather like that, when yeah. it's raining, yeah. sideways rain, wind, it's it's almost impossible yeah. to film, let alone hunt. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's also it's it's one of those things that again it's if you force it, I, I know people use the expression uh, to hunt hard, and then you uh, you keep pushing on, and I, I do that myself. I'm not very bad at at calling quits, um, but you also have to hunt smart. Mm-hmm. If you if you push yourself in an environment like that, uh, there are some some quite quite some uh, dangerous possibilities that if you get caught on the mountain in or uh caught outside in the rain for for quite some time and you can you can get hypothermia you can get there's so many things that can happen that it's much easier to, to say okay let's just do this right um and uh yeah so so it was it was an extraordinary trip um again you you learn a lot about people by spending 10 days with them in a in a cabin and you learn a lot about yourself yeah it's very cool. um and it was funny that, that, of course, it was extremely frustrating that we couldn't find that moose, and we tried every single trick in the book. But also, it was it was kind of um, it was kind of nice to be able to tell another story, because you always the hunter always backs the trophy. When you see a hunting movie, it's, it's very very few hunting movies where. Um, where you don't shoot anything. I was just going to say, I was just say that. And uh, you know, I think part of the beauty of that film is almost the fact that you didn't get something. Because, I mean, the, the, the point of the matter is that you did everything that you would otherwise do apart from see it and, and, and pull the trigger. You know yeah. that's and and, and that's hunting. I've had some funny yeah I've, I've had some funny comments about it because people were like ah eh, okay didn't you actually have the license and <laughs> weren't you allowed <laughs> to show a kill on on screen and you're like well if if it was there we would have definitely taken it um, or tried to but again it it shows that we wanted to show the honest with honesty how what is a real hunt yeah what we actually all, happens like we we've all tried. Every single hunter had tried to go on a hunt where you didn't shoot anything. You still had a pretty good day, or a week, or whatever. Um, but that's not what's portrayed in the media. It's not what it's not what's portrayed in our um, in, in the in the movie industry. No. And the you know, I, I that, think that's our our own fault. I mean, I was going to bring this up uh, actually. Is that you know a lot of the well, you, you kind of mentioned it already. Is that a lot of the the hunting films that are made that are available online there's a you know a long list of quite well known names certainly within the industry who are making these films for a start 
they're actually only made for hunters to watch. They're, they're not really designed mm. for anybody outside of, you know, mm. a passion for hunting to watch. And I even find them fairly distasteful that I can't watch them. But secondly, every single one of them, almost without exception, ends in, you know, that shot. The kill shot. The kill yeah. shot, which, which is what you, what you just said. So I think there's something beautiful about telling the true story, which is, you know, what you've managed to capture in both your films. Thank you very much. Um, we um, um, that that was the that was the that was the goal to say okay, can we make a hunting movie that non-hunters will watch? Um, because if, if again, it, it depends on what what it depends on what you want to do with your movie. If you want to if you want to preach for the choir, then okay, let's 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 make a hunting movie where we just show like the. Um, the the coolest or the funniest or the the most exciting parts of hunting. That's I, I actually I, I do enjoy that. I think there's some very well made films where um, where they do get the stack or where the the mission accomplished and that's great and everybody's happy. But if what we are creating is actually we are creating cultural bullets mm-hmm. in this war against uh, people who don't understand who we are. Um, if you if you if you want to create something like that, then it has to work with people who are not already uh, within the family. Yeah, not already on the same page. To, yeah, on the same page, you have to be able to take this movie, show it to a vegan, and say, "Okay, this is who I am. This is what we're doing. This is reality of it." Um, and I think it was personally, I think it was extremely ballsy of size to say, "Okay, fine, let's do our our big." Uh, launch of the V8 uh, scope. Let's do it with a movie where we don't shoot anything, yeah. um, because it's again, it's it's the whole idea was to do something honest. But I mean, um, it doesn't take anything away from from that film whatsoever. I mean, I I personally, when I watch a hunting film or anything, I'm not looking for the kill shot. I could quite happily, like Byron's just discussed, and yourself happily watch a whole film and for me it's about the story and not about the kill shot then so i'm not bothered if uh, an animal's not killed um during a film or anything and and your film i mean beautifully shot once again um and like you said nothing was shot but it doesn't take anything away from the story Uh, you know there's there's a lot also there's a lot of films out there that are fairly poor films held together with stuff dying and i think that gives completely the wrong impression of hunters and you know there's a lot of people who make these i mean there's so much of it because it's so freely available now that i watch and i i just hope to myself that the story that i'm watching is not really the story that went on and the sort of the way that people are acting is for the camera because a lot of those people i wouldn't even class as hunters or i wouldn't want to class myself in the same you know, in the same area as them, or, or under the same title, because there are there are quite a lot of uh, you know people who shoot and hunt in inverted commas who do not do hunting any justice or portray what the truth is and, and what it should be about hunting. Mm. Um, yeah, um, I, I think it's I think it's very important that when you work in this industry and if you actually want to uh again my 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 mission when i decided that i wanted to dedicate my life to making uh to telling stories about who we are was that i wanted to 
I wanted to make sure that we could save this for the future generations. If if you want to do that, you have to do it in your own way. You have to do it in a way where you can look yourself in the eye and say, okay, this is this is who I am, and if people can relate to that, then fine. And 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 there are very different hunters, and there are also very different traditions. If you hunt in South Africa, the cultural the culture is different than the, the the culture in Australia or New Zealand or. Uh, different parts of America is also very different. Different yes, parts true. of Denmark are different. Um, so I think you, we, we sometimes, we also as hunters have a tendency to expect that all hunters are alike. Yeah, no, that that's, that's you, a very fair point. Once you very put fair. on the green, then then you're we're, we're all the same. And at, at some point, that like if you sit around the campfire and look another guy in the eye, there's something deep down which is the same. But there are also things where you say, okay, I'm that doesn't really float my boat or saying, okay, bow hunting, I I can't relate to that. Um, it's fine that you enjoy it. I think it's stupid, but I'm, I'm not going to be in the way of your enjoyment as long as you do it clean, as long as you do it ethically, as long as you do it legally. Yeah, and I think um, I think that what you've just said there is the key point. And maybe I, maybe I didn't express that properly at the time is that there are, like you've just said, that there are a lot of different traditions. There's a lot of different ways of doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is absolutely fine. You and I will agree on some stuff. We'll probably disagree on other stuff, and we'll we'll agree and disagree with with other hunters as well. But if the end result is what you've just described, you know, it's it's ethical, it's clean, it's quick, and very importantly, from my point of view, and I'm sure that you'll agree, respectful, respectful to the you know the the sacrifice of life. Then I've got yeah. no problem with the, the process that, that that takes you there because if you're fulfilling all of those, then it doesn't matter because that is the end goal. Mm. Yeah, and it's, it's in, in in my my line of work where I've uh, I've I write for a lot of different uh, hunting uh, magazines and uh, I I visit so many different hunters just in Denmark. It, it dawned on me that the cultural difference from north to south or from uh, one hunting community to the other it, it's 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 actually one of the funniest part of uh, traveling around your own country is that the the difference is quite big and that these small things, the small cultural differences, the small technical differences, or just the, the different people and the different humor, the different stories, um, it opens up a, a, a vast universe of, um, of experiences that you wouldn't have if everybody were trained in the same uh, way or they had the same um, if we have uh, the, the, uh, they're all trained in the same hunting academy and were kind of put out in little green blocks um, so I, I like the diversity yeah, of it's, it's what's the, beautiful. the hunting culture absolutely um, so what is, it's, it's fantastic yeah, you're absolutely right it's you also know. something that we yeah we, we have a tendency also to as hunters to we we, we, we bitch each other quite a lot um, I don't know if British hunters do that but Danish hunters are quite bad at um Picking against each other, yeah. um, especially on the internet. Stop uh, writing stuff about each other on Facebook, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> behave on Facebook. Yeah, it's true. Um, it's true. But uh, I, th- I think there's there's so much to learn from each other by saying, okay, you do it like that. Oh, that's that's interesting. We don't. Um, maybe there's a reason for it, or maybe there there isn't. But maybe we could learn something. It's it's also. That's that's one of the key messages in the in the Zeiss movie is that uh, every hunt is a learning experience. Um, every time you go out, doesn't matter if it's one morning, 
for crows or if it's 10 days for a moose that wasn't there. Um, you learn from everything. And every hunting experience teaches you that you actually don't know anything yet. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, and what you say about the you know, the different way that, that different uh, different countries and different cultures and parts of countries do things is so true. And, you know, that is another aspect of hunting that certainly from the outside people maybe don't realize. But for me, you know, when I go to a country that I've never hunted in before and I get to see how they do things, I can be that's that's enough for me. I don't even have to pick up a rifle just to be just to be part of it to attend a hunt that these guys are on and learn the way that they do things is you know that's me fulfilled as far as you know that experience goes and it's a bonus for me if I if I also get to do a bit of hunting myself. But I I know that we're we're running on for time a little bit. I, we've probably kept you far too long. So we have got two two more things that I just want to touch on. I actually have a long list that we're not even going to get to. So I think we're going to have to have you on again at some point. But the one thing here, we'll just try and keep this. We'll we'll try and keep this brief if we can. Um, this is something I, I came up against uh, a couple of weeks back. I was speaking to a, a couple of uh, rifle manufacturers, and. Uh, one in particular who at the moment will, will remain nameless, I wanted to discuss with them, uh, have them on the podcast and discuss with them basically what we've been doing now, uh, a bit of hunting. Cecil Line was quite uh, topical back then. And as a manufacturer of you know big game rifles uh, or big, a big game and big bore rifles, I've, it made perfect sense to me that you would want to you know justify the, the part of the industry, that particular niche of the industry, that is, that is your business and the, the comeback from that was that basically they didn't really want to discuss that aspect of it the hunting aspect of it with the company name because of the backlash that you get from the media i mean we we, we the next thing that i wanted to speak to you about was the, the you know the big elephant that's just been shot in, in zimbabwe but what, what are your thoughts on that that david i mean my personal thoughts are that anybody who is part of this industry should be doing their utmost to defend it and even if it means you know we've got to bleed a bit for it we have to do it because it is the right thing yes it's um i'm i'm, I'm amazed that the the industry doesn't uh, there's there's quite a few within the industry that that does quite a lot to support the hunting cause but they just do it a little bit uh, on the quiet um i'm 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 a firm believer in that if you if you if you believe in what you do, you stand up for it. I think the uh, uh, the industry would benefit a lot from actually learning from something from the the Americans that you have in in the U.S. The weapons uh, or the, um, the hunting arms manufacturers are very good at supporting the cause and saying, "Okay, guys, thanks for supporting us. We will also support you. We will fund uh, projects that that." Uh, it's not just related to our brand, but it actually helps uh, conservation efforts. Um, we will support uh, uh, media efforts. Um, I think it's I think it's important that everybody chips in. If you believe in this, if you believe in what you do, then you can't just sit back. And this also goes to uh, hunters and, and 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 everybody who's who enjoys the the countryside life or the just a connection with nature is that you can't sit on the sidelines. There are no sidelines. You are already in the game. And um, if we do not protect this, if we don't do something,
thing, then it will it will disappear. It it takes one generation and then oof, it it's gone. Um, but the good side is that in in this in the modern media world, um, where we have like um, uh, when when you have problems like with Cecil the uh, the lion, or you have with uh, the elephant being shot. Um, you will have massive uproars in the media. It'll be pretty fast, and the whole industry are going to go, oh, no, 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 they're, they're banning this, and they're banning this, and they're banning this. And then the next week, something else happens, and everybody moves on. And we sit back and going like, okay, but we were pretty serious about this. Like, we took you seriously, and then you just left. Hmm. Um, well, it's, it, it's whatever sells papers at that time, isn't it? Yeah, and but my, my point is uh, don't wait for the aggression change the game yeah, be the be guy on the front be, be on the front page yeah. make the make the news go and say okay guys we will we are this and this and this rifle manufacturer we fully support this anti-poaching unit who is uh, funded in this hunting area this is the reality of uh, life in uh, in africa um uh, and, and introduce that story we've actually had that in in denmark the the political environment around hunting is very very different in denmark than it is many other places because we've been extremely aggressive in the media yeah. well, well I, i'm i'm just going to give you an example um here obviously because we were just talking about the, the african elephant that was shot i think it was last yeah, week yeah. and i'm just going to give you the title from uh, a newspaper the sunday in, express in the, 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 the sunday express in the uk and these are the titles that they're using to draw people in Hunter pays 40k to murder huge elephant in aftermath of Cecil the Lion outrage. That's the titles that we have across our front pages of our papers. And of course, we've just found out uh, yesterday or the day before that the Cecil the Lion hunt was completely legal and there are no charges being brought after all of that because everyone jumped to conclusions and they were all wrong. Um, I once I once heard uh, Jim Sharkey at SHOT Show uh, speak. A lot of respect for that man. Yeah, he uh, he was um, he was speaking about uh, about uh, the, the um, people criticizing big game hunting and uh, hunting uh, and, and conservation funded by hunters, and he said that um, people who are serious about banning hunting should be uh, punished in the same way as poachers because the damage that they do on uh, on the conservation effort is actually greater than just one guy with an AK-47, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that's that's pretty stern, I think. He was, um, but but to some extent, I don't think these people understand what they're actually destroying. Mm-hmm. Um, when you sell papers like that, when you when you do headlines like that, uh, and and throw tantrums in the in the media and and kind of try to steer up that shitstorm. Um, they don't understand the long-term consequences of what they are doing. I am 100% for um, uh, ethical, sustainable big game hunting. I'm a trained uh, professional hunter in South Africa. Um, And I know that without the money from hunting, without the private game reserves funded by hunting, the game is just not going to be there no, not it'll, be poached ever, ever. Out. it'll be poached it'll out be poached out or it'll just be it'll just disappear due to that the, the farms will take over the cattle will take over uh, having a lion running around in your backyard is not a very comfortable thing 
Um, the the I, I love the interview with the local Zimbabwean about uh, somebody killing a, a named lion, and he said, "Good on you, man! Like we hate those things." Yeah. Um, which I think is a little, personally, I think that's very sad, but it also just shows the the. Uh, the, uh, the cultural the, the difference. View. Yeah, the cultural difference yeah. is like if you have an elephant running around in your backyard trampling on your crops, it's that's very annoying. If you have thirteen thousand elephants running around your crops, that's 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 a problem. Um, and the only way that you can get people to not shoot this animal, like we shoot rabbits in the fields because they eat our crops. Imagine having a rabbit the size of an elephant. That is the reality of some of the places in Africa where elephants live. No, no, um, sorry. So if we don't put a, but if we, if we don't put um, if we don't put a value on this elephant, this elephant is worth a lot more if you can invite some hunters to come and shoot it and to put the money. Uh, then it's actually a lot worth a lot more alive that single elephant than just this guy walking out of his shamba and, and shooting it. Yeah. No, no um, uh, you you were just talking briefly there about. Um, the damage that can be done on yeah. social media. Um, and uh, have you heard of uh, Ricky Gervais? Oh, yes, I have heard okay, of well, we're, we're, Did you see his latest quote this week? Uh, no, I haven't I haven't seen him. I'm, uh, I'm actually quite saddened because I used to like uh, Ricky Gervais. Yeah, me too. Life. I thought he was a very intelligent guy. <laughs> well, the, I think he had some... Well, um, We'll read you the latest quote to do with this African lion being no, shot. No, it was the elephant. Sorry, it's elephant, sorry. So his, uh, his, his quote from Twitter was, German hunter pays 40k to kill Africans, uh, Africa's biggest elephant, dot, dot, dot. Can I pay 40k to punch Germany's biggest twat's teeth out? Now, now, now the thing, Ricky, is that... He, Ricky, are you listening? R- sure Ricky, you, you can pay £40,000 to take a picture of that elephant, to keep that elephant alive, but will he? No, yep. and you You're know, the, I, I don't know, David. Did you see um, Ivan Carter, who's, who's a yeah, famous, yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. another really great, great yeah. custodian huge, of wildlife and conservation. Huge fan. Yeah, a massive fan of him. Now, he, after the Cecil the Lion story came out, he, he came out and uh, put an open invitation to anybody out there, and which basically said, "You can come on me to Africa. I will take you in, and you can hunt a lion with your camera." You can take as many pictures as you like, and once you're done, you can pay the trophy fee for that animal, and then you'll you know go on your merry way after your seven day you know photo safari taking taking photos of that lion. No one has taken him up on that offer. And these people are very 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 quick to to jump on and you know chastise hunting without once mentioning any of the benefits of it, or indeed putting their hands in their own pockets. The, the, the offer still the stands. The offer still stands, by still the way, stands. If, anybody's so out there. if anybody wants to pay um, 40000 to go and take pictures of um, an elephant, um, then we can arrange it. Yeah, yeah, we can arrange it. Yep, yep, um, and we can do the same thing with deer. If anybody wants to take a picture of a red stag paying trophy prices, I'm sure that we can get a lot of uh, Scottish estates to take it up there and take a picture of a, of a royal and then take you down again. Yeah, exactly. And Bring the, it's the, the hypocrisy and, of it and, is and just... Leave, leave the iPhone. Leave uh, the iPhone. <laughs> but actually, but, but this, again, it, it kind of, it, it leads us back to where we started by the uh, distancing yourself from your responsibility is it's it's easy to talk and talk and talk and to write stuff on Facebook. It's also very easy to threaten people on Facebook. But once you rock up on this doorstep and say, okay, guys, you 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 wrote to me yesterday that this, 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 and you were going to beat me up. Here I am. Um, got a camera crew here, so we can record the whole thing. So I'm not uh, yeah, I'm here voluntarily. Please. Keyboard Just, warriors, that's what they are. 
So exactly, the keyboard. But the problem of the keyboard warriors is that it gives you the impression that this is the, the um, that this is important, that this is reality. I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm quite saddened with Ricky Gervais because, uh, and I would love if Ricky Gervais, if you are listening, I would love to take you hunting. I would enjoy that. I would, we would have a, have a great day. You were allowed to uh, tease me as much as possible, um, and but it's it's very 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 clear that it's it's due to lack of knowledge knowledge about it they actually don't know what goes on they actually don't know where the money goes they actually don't know that the trophy fees from um an elephant hunt or a lion hunt is one of the best ways to fund um uh, anti poaching and conservation there's a reason why private game reserves are allowed all the way around the um uh, the conservation at uh, the uh, the national parks is because when you have a belt of armed, skilled, and very pissed off farmers, um, then you don't need to do anti poaching because they do the whole thing for you. Um, the animals have a value, and these people protect that value. Then okay, then you pluck out a few animals here and there, but uh, but that's the price you pay to save the whole. Area, mm. I know that in South Africa now they had they have a problem. Um, they they some some of the places they used to sell uh, hunts within the uh, the, the the nature conservancies, yeah. but now they stopped because they were so afraid of people like Ricky Gervais. Which means the money that they paid to shoot a single buffalo, it doesn't come in. They still shoot the buffalo now, but they now yeah, they have to pay somebody to shoot yeah. the buffalo. And it's the same thing with. Uh, elephants in Kruger. Yeah, you it's a so big many, problem. You have Kruger. so many elephants in Kruger, and you need to take off a few to thin the herd. It's like everything else. It's like if you have too many mice. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't understand that. You mentioned elephants. Everyone thinks they're rare. Yeah. Uh, like you I, just I love mentioned, elephants. Uh, yeah. yeah I think it's, it, it's, it's an awesome animal. It's, I have a huge respect for them. They're also extremely dangerous um, if you piss them off or if you behave in the wrong way. Uh, um. So, so this is nothing. But again, it's it's the distance from reality. It's the same thing with the guy throwing the meat in the bin that we talked about in the, to, to start out with. Is that when the going gets rough, people don't want to be a part of it. When you when you tell them re- the reality about big game hunting in Africa or just hunting in general in Africa, um, they kind of pull out with. But the animals are so cute. I mean, it's it's very easy to criticize these things if you've never had your feet on the ground. Yeah, and that's the one thing there. that really bugs me is you see all these things on social media, like you said, you know, people shouting very loudly. And those people haven't put their feet on the ground. They haven't done anti-poaching mm. patrols like I have and like you have. And we're hunters. Then that's part of conservation. They haven't done recollaring uh, projects of elephants. I've done that. I'm a hunter, but I was doing mm. something for conservation. The amount of hunting concessions that there are in, in Africa... And the number of tons of uh, metalwork and ironwork that they lift uh, as a result of poaching patrols every year in snares and various different sprung traps is phenomenal. And it would blow people's minds if they could be bothered to look into it. And all those concessions that are now closed, uh, closed down in Botswana, the poaching is just going through the roof. And the same is true of any country that's ever shut down hunting for any, any period of time. Their population, rural population, starts to starve. Or if they're not starving, they're now poaching because the game has no value. And eventually you end up with no game in these areas. 
Um, Daryl just uh, pointed to his phone just a second ago when we were talking about the, you know, the influence of celebrities. Uh, how many, how many uh, people follow so, Ricky Gervais? So Ricky Twitter? Gervais has 10 million people on just his Twitter account. Now that is a huge amount of people. Listening to the stuff that he comes out with. And it's, a hard, it, it's very difficult to find anybody kind of on yeah. our page, on our side of the fence, that has that kind of influence in one... You know, in 20 seconds, you can put something out. I think, the, I think the only people that you could actually compare to that kind of influence is people like Jim Shockey and, um, Donny, and Vincent, Donny Vincent, maybe. maybe. They, they, they have the numbers, um, I guess. Yeah. But, but they're I'm, hunters, I'm, though. I'm, 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 saying, I'm, I'm just thinking that Ricky Gervais would be very welcome to, to... if He can give me 40Ks, and then he can hit me in the face, and then I'll just use the 40Ks for conservation purposes. Well, that's, yeah, a, that, that's an offer and a half. So uh, We, we can treble that. R Ricky Gervais yeah, can take yeah, a punch at each um, one of us for 40K each, and then we'll go and put it into anti-poaching yeah. in Africa. I'm very good at taking a beating. <laughs> um, it's, uh, but what, what pisses me off is that criticizing is free. You should be allowed to criticize. You should be allowed to point out things that are wrong. You know, in Denmark, we have quite a culture of um, uh, of speaking our minds. Sometimes it's um, not a very good idea, but we do it anyway. Um, but uh, criticizing is free, but it should have consequences. You should understand the consequences of what you are messing with. Um, I'm not saying that the whole hunting industry in Africa is all... It's uh, squeaky clean and everything yeah. runs as it should. Just like it's not every single driver, it's not every single person with a driving license who obeys the, the laws of the, of the road um, because people are different. But as a sound principle, it still doesn't mean that we, that we don't legalize, that, that we illegalize driving. Mm -hmm. It just means that we have, to, we have to be critical about those who don't stay within the lines, but we also have to understand that there's a purpose with... Um, what what happens, and there's a reason why hunting hunting in in Africa, the hunting industry in Africa, isn't a new thing. And there's a reason why animals haven't been killed all over Africa en masse is because that the hunting industry actually works, yeah, it and it's been working for a hundred years, mm -hmm. um, and it's been working quite well. Uh, if you look at Kenya, Kenya is the, the best and most wonderful example of what happens. I quote this all you, the time to people. I, yeah, I, carry it's, on. It's you, you tell it out of your mouth. People hate it. People hate it because it's it's a very very good example of once when they stopped uh, professional hunting or hunting at all in in Kenya, it in a very short period of time the big animals they they died out they got killed because again having an elephant tramping around in your farm, it, it's not something that you want. Um, so it's not just poaching; it's also that these animals they are not that space for these animals. You can you can see it in in Germany with the wild boars. Wild boars, is, they're a huge problem. They destroy crops, they destroy a lot of things, but the hunters pay for them. They pay for the damages yeah, exactly. so the wild boars are allowed. Um, same thing in Africa. It's the exact same thing. Um, a, leopard, have, a leopard is a good example of that. A leopard is a great example. A leopard eats uh, a lot of livestock. A cheetah eats a lot of livestock. A lion eats a lot of livestock. And, and, and livestock costs money. I don't know if anybody uh, realized this, but resources are quite scarce in Africa. <laughs> you don't just uh, don't just let the cat eat your no. stuff. If we had it at home, imagine, I know that they, they were talking about reintroducing the, uh, the lynx in, uh, in, in Scotland. Scotland. In Scotland, yeah. 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 Um, and, and the uproar from people that, ah, oh, it's going to eat our sheep, it's going to do this, it's going to do this. We have the same thing in, in Denmark. We have the wolves now in Jutland. 
and people are freaking out about the wolves because oh no they're going to eat our horses and our kids and whatever um i think the wolves are a little bit surprised about that <laughs> um, it wasn't on their but, menu but, but how can we how can we demand of africans or people in uh, uh, a country that's a lot poorer than, than than denmark or britain or whatever um how can we demand that they don't kill problem causing animals like or we don't did. put a value on them uh, when when we are completely up in arms just because an an overgrown dog has decided to cross the border from Germany, mm. um, it's imagine if we had lions on the British Isles and everybody was told like ah you're not really allowed to shoot them yes they might have eaten your wife but <clears throat> please uh, it, it wouldn't happen pretty, exactly it wouldn't happen because it's it's it, it doesn't work and I I think another problem is with with the antis especially when we talk about Africa is that it's actually quite racist. The view of a lot of people is that Africa is still somewhat, it still looks a little bit like the Lion King, and people are still living mainly in, in huts, and, um, and we still have to save Africa. I, I, get, I get very annoyed with the whole we have to save Africa thing because a lot of African countries are actually doing quite well. Um, it's a great and wonderful thing. Uh, if you go to a country like Ghana, everything is like, it's really going well. Um, and the economies are booming and things are moving up. And in South Africa, even though they have problems in South Africa, the economy is still quite, uh, it's going forward and, and things are being built and populations are growing quite fast. Zambia, so Zambia is another good example these days. Yeah, Zambia as well, Tanzania as, as well, Kenya, Kenya especially. Um, if we want to save the wild areas. We have to look at what we've done in Europe. We have to look at how can we create a value here. And sending in uh, 100 million photo tourists to drive around in their Toyotas, scaring the animals and destroying uh, habitat with their big tires, that's not saving anything. No. That's creating a Tivoli. And there's a lot more it's, impact from a pho- photographic tourist than a huge impact. Than, than the a CO2 impact is insane. I mean, I, I don't um, have the numbers in front of me, and I'm sure it was a post by Ivan Carter, but I, I'm sure that he quoted something along the region of it takes 10 um, photographic in- safari individuals for one hunter to bring in the same income to an area. And their their impact on an area is obviously tenfold because there's ten of them, and on top of that, they go everywhere, you know, pretty much in vehicles. So, mm. um, but but again, to to answer your your original your original question about um, now we're freaking out that the the the, the biggest African uh, the biggest elephant in Africa has been shot. Um, what about turning around and saying, okay, it's amazing that we've actually created areas where elephants were allowed to grow this big. I know. That's, I mean, Jens, that's the, that's Jens the real who you, story. you and I both know, that was exactly what he uh, he put out. His The title of his post on social media for for that article was wonderful. And he, he basically said what you said, you know, yeah. that through conservation and importantly hunting concessions, this mm-hmm. animal has, has still lived. Yeah, um, because people have seen that before. Everybody's known that it's not just that it's popped out of the ground. Um, people must have seen it, must have known about it. But they also know that the value of this animal grows exponentially with the size. It's the same thing with the buffaloes. Um, you let them grow. It's the same thing with the deer. Um, you let your, uh, your, your stags mature and you let them grow, so then you can get a higher price. It's actually, if you really 
the somebody out there is a very hard time understanding this. You have to think about it as very big scale farming mm-hmm. with no fences. Yep. It's these are your animals. The more you take care of them, the more they take care of you. You don't shoot all your young cows. You let them grow up. You let them produce. You don't shoot your biggest breeding bull. You let him breed until he's kind of bred out, and then you pluck him when he's at, at his um, uh, when he's going down when he's when he's peaked. Yeah, and it's I think you know, thing. I, I think that that is probably the easiest thing to conceptualize for for mm. people who are not hunters and who have never taken life and eaten that is that hunting and management through hunting is basically large scale wild farming. And it's a lot kinder to those animals that uh, whose lives we're taking than it than f- modern farming practices in any in, in any Western mm. country. It has to be because they're in their natural environment. Mm. But um, um, sorry, yeah, I'll let you to, to to conclude the the question. The um, the elephant. I've um, with the whole social media storm and the whole media storm in general against uh, hunters. It's it's interesting that. There is actually, we are not as buggered as you'd think. We have, in Denmark, we've proven that you can actually win the media war. You just have to be very honest about what you do, but you also have to control your communication. And a good example is that the Danish zoos have a tradition of when they, they kill quite a few animals every year because they only have this much space. Um, and uh, a couple of years ago, it was a giraffe that they killed in uh, in uh, Copenhagen Zoo, and the whole world went ballistic about it because we were going to dissect this giraffe in front of a lot of school children. Um, because this is what we do. Um, the uh, the head of the Copenhagen Zoo, Carl Hartz, went out and said, "Okay, guys, this is the reality of a zoo. Animals die all the time. We can't." move this nobody wants our giraffe please if you want our giraffe we have a free giraffe for you please <laughs> take it um nobody stepped up uh and M- they, maybe they, ricky they gervais can take it off off their hands yeah next he's time. very welcome you can open his own petting suit I, I, <laughs> honestly ricky gervais get in the game please participate <laughs> stop moaning just get with the program um you can buy a cheap rifle i'm sure um no but what 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 he ended up doing was he actually he actually turned the whole discourse around from being something that, oh, you shouldn't kill this animal to go and say, this animal should not go to waste. It shouldn't be. In other zoos, they they euthanize animals uh, behind uh, closed curtains, and they don't tell people about it. Um, You don't tell them that you actually slaughter quite a few lions every year because, well, lions breed. Um, but by, by doing this, by being open about it, by saying we do this not just openly but in front of people, and they're very welcome to bring their kids so they can learn what it actually looks like inside, um, he actually managed to turn that whole discourse. And now they just uh, euthanized uh, uh, a lion in uh, another zoo in Denmark, and everybody goes ballistic because, oh, no, no, you killed this poor lion. Um, the lion doesn't really care about it. Um, it's very dead. And... Um, and they said as well, yes, but guys, this is this is the reality. All the kids who come, all the grown-ups who come, they learn more from this single experience than you would from watching um, uh, The Lion King. Yeah. Because The Lion King is a lie. That's not what life looks like. And Bambi. And Bambi was a lie, too. I think there's, 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 a, there's a theme there. <laughs> yeah, they should, have, they should have shot the fawn first. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, there we are. Very, Qu- quoted it. David says, "Shoot movie. Bambi first <laughs> Yeah, 
Um, it's also better meat. But um, <laughs> my point is that a lot of these, a lot of the anti-hunters, a lot of the, the hype is trying to keep up a reality that's not there. They're trying to, to keep a lie alive, alive about Africa being this wild place where people run around and uh, uh, and the animals are uh, running around freely and happy. And, all, all at and one with each other. And, uh, all at one with each other. And, and this is the, the, that is the grass that the antelopes eat. Um, all that stuff, that whole, that whole fantasy. And I know that it's, it's very, very hard to wake up and find out that your dog did not go to that camp. Mm. Your dog was shot. Um, it's it's not nice to know that 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 life ends at one point, but it does. Yeah. Um, so again, it's I think what what hunters are up against is the whole that whole um, fantasy that uh, life goes on, and the pictures that we have in our heads are actually reality. Yeah, no, uh, I and think that's that... why we have. We have a very hard time fighting that because that's kind of a it's, it's, it's a very human sentiment to try to forget that at some point you're not going to be here anymore. Yeah, and it's, um, it's very much ingrained. Well, it's ingrained in everything. We've talked about social media, but, you know, we've just touched on, you know, Disney cartoons and it's ingrained in kids from a very young age. But I think what you've said there, uh, you know, pretty much sums it up in that we need to make sure that the lies which have been ingrained in the upbringing of you know children basically around the world we provide the information to re-educate because that's what it is it, it has to be a re-education process with the truths you can't just expect people to just they, they can't yeah we, we can't really expect people to go out and find it for themselves if we don't make it easy for people to access the information yeah. i think that you know that is what you're doing and that is what a few people are starting to do now. And, you know, like you said, the Americans are maybe a, a little bit ahead of us because they've started to do it. But they, they have a population which is which hunting very much is, is part of who they are. The same is true in New Zealand, but it's certainly not the case in the UK. And, you know, there's Germany is not a good example because hunting is very much part of the culture there. But we need to this needs to spread globally because there's a lot of people who are anti-hunting who shout very loudly. Yeah, and I think the the reason why the Americans are quite a lot forward is because they're better funded. That's probably true. Because yeah. again, you have like you have uh, you have a very great distance between people living in the country and living in the in the cities. Actually, a lot bigger than than you have in Denmark. We have a lot of hunters who live in the middle of Copenhagen, because well, it takes about half an hour to get out of, out of the city. Um, but uh, but we don't have the means. We don't have the funds. We uh, every time you want to do a project, you you kind of st- try to scramble for money. Um, and what people need to understand is this is, a, this is a battle of cultures, of realities. If we want to change the reality, then we have to, uh, we have to fund it. Yeah. Um, and, but, and the more money that's put into telling these stories, the more stories we can tell and the better stories we can tell and it doesn't take a lot to uh, to change the general perception of the of the public. Hunting was not very popular in Denmark in the 80s. Now it's extremely popular. In I think they said it was it 68% of the population have a, a very positive view on hunting. Um, I think it was 68. Um, but it's, it's something around that. Um, and we have a we have an increase of hunters every year. Uh, we are 250,000 registered Danish hunters out of a population of five million. 
Um, and that is mostly due to all the real stories being told about living your life with honesty and going out and actually knowing what you, where your food came from and um, what what nature is like. Um, not from the screen or not from the parks or not from the zoos, but, but, but living, yeah. living and breathing it. And, you know, I think yeah. that, getting some mud in the boots. Exactly. I, you know, that we've had such a great conversation today. My, my one takeaway actually from and word from everything that you've said, and there's been so much great stuff there is honesty because you are absolutely right in what you say. I think the more honest we can be with, with ourselves and with the public and just present it on a plate present the honesty on a plate of what we do, the more we will be able to have an impact. And I think everybody needs to listen to that very carefully. But David, I, you know, I could carry on talking to you for another hour, uh, but uh, I guess we've got to draw a line somewhere. We're just going to have to have you on again, or you're going to have to come over and do some hunting here, and then we can, uh, we can maybe do a podcast in the, uh, actually in the studio while you're here. Yeah, that would be good. I'll, I'll gladly do any, any, uh, any of those. Um, I love hunting in the British Isles. It's a, uh... Um, you have an extraordinary country, so um, well. My, the little taste I had of Denmark uh, a few months back was, was fantastic as well. Uh, so I've, I've only ever been in in Copenhagen. I haven't adventured anywhere out, so I'd, I'd love to see more of there as well. Yeah, but you're you're very welcome. It's uh, it's actually something that uh, I, I do encourage uh, more hunters to travel uh, in the, uh, in Europe. Um, all of Europe, all our neighboring countries are—it's so much fun. We go to Sweden all the time. We go to Germany, um, and it's—it's uh, it's very easy for us, being European citizens, to, to travel around. Yeah. Uh, There's not much excuse around, so. anymore, is there? It's—it's—it's it's, it's not only is it cheap; it's very easy to go country to country. Yeah, and it's and and, and it's fun and it's different and it's weird. And, uh, <laughs> that's also—it's—it's it's, again—it's the adventure, it's the travel. So um, you're very awesome. welcome. And also, if if anybody's listening in who wants to. Uh, experience the the weird reality of danish hunters they're very welcome to contact <laughs> I, I hope you get some people to take you up on that and uh, most importantly i hope that ricky jabez takes us up on our offer of punching yeah. us all in the face for forty thousand pounds each and uh, hopefully would, takes yeah. he goes out hunting with you or us he, he's there's plenty of op- opportunity there for for him to see the the other side but uh with that look david thank you so much for coming on today it's been a, a great chat i've thoroughly enjoyed it and uh we will speak again soon but thank you thank you very much anytime well, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. I've really enjoyed speaking to David. And, you know, like Byron said earlier, it went on for so long that we've had to put it into two parts. Now it could, it could have gone on for longer as well. So I think next time we'll have David on again and we'll delve even deeper into all these topics. Now, don't forget that this podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube it is available a day early on iTunes. So subscribe, hit that subscribe button. Now, every, all our listeners, remember that this podcast is for everyone out there. So if you have any topics or any issues that you would like discussed on this podcast, get in touch with us. Find us on our Facebook page or email us at paceproductionsuk at gmail.com. Also, remember that this podcast is not only designed for those of you already involved in hunting and country pursuits it is really there and available to the general public so if you have friends who are skeptical about hunting and game management make sure you introduce them to this podcast this is exactly the kind of platform that should be there for everybody to listen to and it is freely available so try and introduce some of your non-hunting friends to it 
Thank you very much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by the Scottish Association for Country Sports.